Well, Pastor Jim is not here today. He had uh, some minor surgery this week, so he's uh, still a little sore, and he's at home recovering. We have the privilege of one of our elders, Abiyadan Faliki. Uh, he's going to preach today, and as he makes his way up, I'm going to lead us in our scripture reading. So if you would stand in honor of the Word of God, I'm going to read as soon as I get my glasses on. And uh, you can read along aloud with me, or you can just listen, whatever you're comfortable doing. Okay, let's go. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready two hundred soldiers with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also, provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency the Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen, and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from, and when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive, and he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. This is God's word. You may be seated. Amen. Okay. Um, Father, we're grateful once again. Thank you for the word. You're going to speak to us. Speak to us, Lord, now. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we are prayed. So good morning. My name is Biodu Faleke. I'm one of the elders here. I also, um, um, I'm, I'm a visitation supervisor by work. I'm a, I, um, 
I work with foster children. So I'm a, uh, uh, that's, that's my job. I'm a self-employed person. Uh, but also, you know, I'm a child of God. So here yeah, we are today. Um, so this is a wonderful passage. It's, it's a conclusion of, uh, the passage that, uh, Pastor Jim, uh, shared with us, uh, last week, uh, Acts 23. Uh, also, it's a wonderful month for me. Today, this month is, uh, I turned 61. So we bless God for that. It's a wonderful month. <laughs> so looking at today's topic, uh, Paul, uh, plot to kill Paul and God's unusual deliverance. Um, if you have been following the book of Acts, the book of Acts, you know, it's, it's, it's the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit using men to do wonderful things, the act of God through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the book of Acts. Well, if you look at the book of Acts, how the Lord has been using the early Christians, and then all of a sudden we, we, we read about Paul, and then, uh, you've been seeing how Paul was, you know, been preaching with the Gentiles and also the Jews, and how he was being, uh, there's so much opposition, you know, with, with Paul, with the apostle Paul. So, uh, the opposition, uh, started, God promised him that, uh, uh, God promised him that he will go to Rome, he will go to Jerusalem. And, and also there were visions and, and, and prophecies that if he goes there, chains, uh, imprisonment, suffering awaited him there. So with all that in mind, uh, it was like a God leading Paul to where he wanted him to be and how he led him to Jerusalem and then how he led him to, and he would lead him to Rome. So here, Paul is in Jerusalem. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Jim was uh, sharing with us. There in Jerusalem, um, there were false allegations. Uh, they saw him and they, uh, the, the Jews, anywhere he was, preaching the gospel. Uh, the Jews uh, faced serious opposition with the Jews uh, because um, they believed he was, he was uh, preaching another gospel. He wasn't turning people to the, the God of the of the Jews, the God, the Yahweh God. So, uh, it will always be opposition. In fact, there were a series of times that Paul not only was beaten, but also, uh, was, was, uh, uh, was in detention, was in prison. So here was Paul in Rome, uh, and he was settling in Rome, uh, and then, and then this, this, this happened. So while he was in Rome, they, they, the Jews, uh, they saw him in Rome with some Gentiles because he was, he, he came with some Christians to, to, to Jerusalem. So there were false allegations, uh, against, against Paul. And then, uh, so, uh, last week, uh, we were told that he was, uh, uh, standing in, in the midst of the, the, um, the Jewish council, the 71 elders, uh, and part were, he, uh, part were Pharisees, part were Sadducees, and, and that was what we learned last week. So this is just a continuation. So, uh, it was, it was then trying to, uh, defend themselves because he was being accused of defiling the temple and teaching, teaching things against the law of Moses. These were the false allegations, uh, that they had with Paul. So, and, and, uh, because of the uproar, the, the commander, the, you see, the, the Jews were ruled by the, by the Romans. So, uh, they were ruling the world then. Uh, so the commander rescued Paul uh, and put him in detention. Uh, as we, as Pastor Jim gave us a good picture of what, of the, the, uh, description 
uh, thank you, of the description, you know, the, the temple, right there, the Antonio Fortress was where the, the Romans, uh, they had their station where their commander and all the centurions and the soldiers. And that is where Paul was put, that Antonio Fortress, that last right part. That was where he was, he was held because the Jews wanted to, to kill him. So the Romans came and they took him away. So that's what happened last week. And the last verse that Pastor Jim shared, uh, it says, but on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at, at his side and said, take courage for as you have solemnly witness to me uh, to my cause at Jerusalem so you must also witness to me in Rome so here was the night right in prison Jesus ministered to Paul to 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 um, kind of encourage him take courage I've led you to Jerusalem I also lead you to Rome but I'm sure there will be so many questions so once again I'm I'm highly grateful that uh, pastor Jim gave me this privilege to share uh, he told me this a month ago so this is not fair for him, the poor guy, he does it you know, every week. For he has given me this this undue advantage to prepare for this for one month. So, <laughs> so poor, poor Pastor Jim. So, anyway, so this is what this is the the background. So the Bible teaches and illustrates the doctrines of God's providence, and it should be a source of comfort, great comfort, and instruction for every believer. It means that God is not distant. God is not passive. God is not unconcerned with our daily events in our lives. Rather, our loving and caring Heavenly Father, He actively governs the daily events of our lives, usually behind the scenes, without in any way robbing us of the duty of making responsible choices. Oftentimes, we feel alone that God is not there. But in the, in the midst of things, God is orchestrating things behind the scenes. That is what we call the providence of God. You see, there's a, there's a, uh, um, there's a poem. It's been an old poem by Margaret Powers. The author was, uh, Margaret Powers says she wrote the poem in 1964. I didn't even know it's been this old of the footprints, the poem. See, she was a young woman. She said she was searching for direction at a crossroads in her life. She was traveling the world as an evangelist with her husband, Paul, for more than 25 years. So here was her, you know, searching, looking for direction, and God just dropped this poem into our heart, 1964. And this this became one of the greatest poems, you know, you've ever heard. So it says, one night I dreamed a dream, and as I walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashes scenes of my life. From one scene, I noticed two two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. And after the last scene of my life flashed before me, I look back at the footprints in the sand. I notice that many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprint. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you once said I would deliver. Once I decided to follow you, you walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you. I will never leave you. Never ever during your trial and testing. When you saw the only set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So God has a sovereign plan for each of us that we will glorify his name in the sphere of where he has put us. 
or he has appointed us. Whether God has called you to be a soldier, a bricklayer, a carpenter, a plumber, a business person, an invest, inventor, an investor, a student, a poop packer. You know, I'll, I'll talk about the poop packer later. I didn't get to say that during the uh, first one. So uh, either you're in medical field, you're a missionary, you're a school teacher, you're a bus driver, you're a truck driver, you're a preacher. God's plan is that you will live in such a way or manner that your life will bring glory and honor to his name. In this passage that we're going to, that we're going to deal with today, surprisingly, the first 11 first verses that Pastor Jim preached last week is the only way you will see God mentioned or Jesus. But from verse 12, we're going to talk about today till verse 35. There is no mention of God. There is no mention of Jesus. There is no mention of the Holy Spirit. Yet we see the hand of God and the power of God at work in every step to fulfill his grand plan in Apostle Paul's life. We see the providence of God. So what is providence? That God is aware what is happening in any given person's life. He is invested in how things will go for us. By his spirit, he is able to stare us, move us, clarify things for us, and motivate us to make decisions on our career, our marriage, our partner, or any such things. And oftentimes, we don't, it doesn't, it's not apparent, it's not obvious that it's there. You see, so that, so we'll see in the passage, God's providence, God's hand, orchestrating things in the life of Paul, in the midst of his imprisonment or in detention. So today is plot to kill Paul and the unusual deliverance. How did God get him out of this? We'll see that today. So let's see the breakdown. So I, I, I break it down this way from, you know, so we're going, because we're treating verse 12 to 35. The first, Part 12 to 15 is the Jewish plot to kill Apostle Paul. These people had their strategy correct. And then 16 to 22, we see the plot to kill Paul exposed. How did it happen? How was it exposed? You see, we see three people. We see the, the, the Paul's nephew, how it was exposed. We see the centurion. And then we see the commander. These were the three people God used with this plot to be exposed. And then from 23 to 30, we see the commander neutralize the plot to kill Paul. How did the commander do that? How did he neutralize the plot? See, he did it in two ways. There was a heavy security and swift action. That's what the, the, the commander did. And then the second one is the letter to the governor. So these were the ways that the commander neutralized this thing. And then the last one we're going to talk about, Apostle Paul's safe arrival in Caesarea. So let's, let's, let's go into it. What was the plot? So, verse 12 to 15. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that we would neither eat nor drink until we have killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a, a solemn oath to taste nothing or, until we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine in case is cased by a more thorough investigation. And we, for our part, are ready to slay him before he comes near this place. This is, this is just like 2023. This is a grand plan. This is what they were planning. So we see, 
We have a bloody conspiracy by some desperate Jews to kill Paul at all cost. We have more than 40 Jews who bound themselves. They swore an oath never to eat or drink until they kill Paul. So these men explained their plot to the high priest. They were ready. They went to the high priest, the elders of the Jews. They explained it so that they can get on board. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to kill this man. This group of 40 uh, could be a sect of Jewish assassins. You see, at that time, the Romans were ruling the world. They had captured the Jews and were ruling the world at that time. So some of these Jews, what they did was some of them were, some factions were Jewish assassins. Uh, they, uh, they target Romans or Roman soldiers or the supporters. At this time, the Romans were ruling over the Jews and would, and, uh, and the world. So this assassin often concealed weapons and stabbed Roman soldiers or officials as they walked by. This group of Jews, they see militancy, terrorism as a way to overthrow the Roman government and drive them out of their Jewish nation. They were zealous. These Jews, they were zealous for God. They wanted to fight for God. Due to false allegations that Paul the Apostle defiled the temple by bringing Gentiles into it. And that Paul was preaching against the law of Moses. So this was the reason why they wanted Paul dead of all, at all cost. And these allegations were false. Because if you look at Acts 21, 17, 27 to 29, it says, The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and aroused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelled, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preached against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish law. He speaks against the temple and even defiles his holy place by bringing in the Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him to the temple. So it was all assumption. It was all not, not true. They didn't, un, they didn't know. So because Paul was, was also preaching the gospel of salvation by grace, through faith in God, the Jews opposed him on every turn because most of them held the belief that to be a worshiper of God, you must be converted to Judaism or to have, uh, you know, or to be converted to the Jewish religion. So that was it. So the question is, how would this group of Jews kill Paul. What was their plot? Well, verse 14 and 15. And they came to the chief priests and the elders and said, we are bound ourselves. So verse 15. Now therefore you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you as though we were going to determine his case by more thorough investigation. And we for our part are ready to slay him before he comes near to this place. So Paul was in detention the night before, God had encouraged him. Be of good cheers, Paul. As you have oh, testified of me in Jerusalem, I will take you to Rome. So, but the next day, as God had shown him in the night, the next day, this Jewish 40, over 40 of them, they were plotting, strategizing how they would kill Paul. And this, the strategy is this. Just lie to the commander. Tell the commander to bring Paul down from, from the Antonio uh, fortress. That we want to inquire more for him. We want to inv- just investigate more. But because since he's going to be brought there, 
there will be light security just as on the way. 40 of us are going to waylay him, ambush him, and that's how we're going to kill him. So that was the plot. And their plan was to convince the commander to let Apostle Paul be brought to them from the secure castle, custody, and let Paul come to them, the Jewish council, to further examine and ask for further question. So, uh, the plan was between the Roman prison, between the Roman prison, and to the Jewish council. In between that way, they have to kill Paul. As horrific as this plot was, to kill Paul, a human being, an innocent man, the high priest and the elders went along with the plot instead of reproving those young men. You know, sometimes this is what happens. They were religious leaders, but they also buy into this conspiracy. The Jews believed that Apostle Paul was the worst of men, an enemy of God and religion and the cause of plague of generation uh, from generation to generation. So, As I've said before, thank God, God had already assured him in the night, but the next morning, there was a plot, and then, what happened? Verse 16 to 22, we see the plot against Paul exposed in an unusual way. How did God rescue Paul from this plot? Because left to the commander, He was not aware of what these people were doing. It makes sense. Because the commander was a Jewish commander. They were trying to keep peace among the the Jews. And it makes sense that, okay, we want to further, because he took, uh, the commander took Paul from them, the Sadducees and Pharisees. Remember the first uh, 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 11 verses. He took it from them because they almost killed him there. So, okay, bring him down. We want to just talk more. It makes sense. But, in a miraculous way, let's see how uh, death plot against Paul was exposed. And this was how it was exposed, from verse 16. Then the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and said to Paul, and told Paul, Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, lead this young man to the commander. And he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner, Call me to him and ask me to lead this young man to you since he has something to tell you. The commander took him aside by hand and stepped aside, began to inquire of him privately. What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council as though they were going to inquire something more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them. For more than 40 of them are lying in wait of him who have bound themselves on that course, not to eat or drink until they have slayed him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. So, verse 16. Paul's sister's son, Paul's nephew, overheard that some of the Jews and the religious leaders talking and sharing their plot to pretend to come to cross-examine Paul in the process en route to the council from custody, they'll kill Paul. So this was the only mention of Paul's family member in the Bible. The second mention was when Paul was saying that he was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. So we know that his father was a Pharisee. So Paul was, false 
introduces himself as Paul of Tarsus. So Paul was not, he didn't grow up in Jerusalem. Paul grew up, uh, in a Roman province in Tarsus. So why is his sister or nephew in Jerusalem? Why, uh, we are not told why his sister and the nephew, what they were doing in Jerusalem, how they got to Jerusalem. But Paul's sister's son, what was Paul's sister's son doing in Jerusalem? Even, uh, what was he doing at the place where the plot to kill his uncle was being planned? This is not, is this not the providence of God at work? How could it be? See, so it just so happened that Paul's sister and Paul's sister's son, the nephew, were in Jerusalem. It just so happened that Paul's nephew was hearing the plot, the secret plot. I'm sure they're not even shouting at the rooftop. I'm sure it was a secret meeting. And then it, Paul's, uh, 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 Paul's nephew heard of that. I mean, so you can see how God, God working things out in spite of Paul, in spite of what, you know, his situation or circumstances were. So verse 17, Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, lead this young man to the commander for he has something to report to him. So this nephew came to visit Paul. They allow for the Romans, they allow that. If you're in prison, they allow them to visit. So with the visit, told Paul their plot. There was a centurion there. Paul called the centurion that this young man has something to tell the commander. So we see Paul's nephew. We see the centurion. Who was this centurion? The centurion uh, is a soldier with 100 soldiers under him, being one in authority and do not delegate uh and, and, and did not delegate the job to another soldier under him. He took Paul's nephew straight to the commander. We need to be available for God to use us in any way. The centurion helped to save Paul's life. What if the centurion delayed or dismissed Paul's request or sent the nephew away as he was too busy for this or too big for this because of his position or a title as a centurion. That could have happened. He could have dismissed the guy. And a centurion is more like a, 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 a captain. I mean, you call a captain to come. I mean, he will have even, wait, 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 you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, well, you know, I'll let my, I'll send one of my soldiers to come and see you. But he did not do that. But we see the hand of God at work in all these things. So Paul, now listen, the night before, Paul had already, God had already assured Paul that as he has testified in Jerusalem, he's going to take him to Rome. Now, see, Paul's nephew came to tell him the plot. What if Paul said, well, you know, God has just told me he's going to rescue me. Don't worry about it. He's, God is going to, you, you know, God will rescue. No. Paul was sensitive enough. Every situation that comes away, he takes it as that is part of God's plan. That is part of God's plan. So, uh, so we see this example also in Acts chapter 22 when Paul was arrested. Uh, when Paul was uh, taken by the commander. We're talking about the centurion now. Now you see what happens with the commander. So when Paul was arrested, at the, by, when Paul was taken because he was about to be killed by the Jews, 
And the commander told the soldiers to go and tie him up and flog him. And then to extract something from him. As they were about to flog him, Paul used his citizenship. He said, do you want to flog a Roman without being charged or any allegation? So you see that God gives ways in Paul's life. And he used those ways for the purpose of whatever, you know, for, 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 for good purposes. So he used his citizenship then. But here, so we see here, as the nephew came, Paul quickly told him to tell, to tell the centurion, tell the centurion to take it to the commander. The commander is more like the general or maybe one star general. I'm not a soldier, so I don't know how those ranks come. So I, you have to excuse me for that. So from verse 18, so what have, what happened? So the centurion took Paul's nephew to the commander. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner, Call me to him and ask me to lead this man to you, this young man, since he has something to tell you. Wow. Paul the prisoner. You see, for them, Paul as, is not guilty of anything. He was in prison, but this is how they tag him, Paul the prisoner. And even Paul tells, says that of himself in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 5, verse 1. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you, for you Gentiles. In Ephesians 4.1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, which you were called. Philemon 1.1, 1, 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow liberal. What is this? No matter what happens to you as a Christian, you are doing God's work. See, Paul did not see himself as a prisoner of Rome, Paul did not see himself, though he was in prison, like everybody else. If you're in prison, you're a prisoner. If you're in prison, you're, you know, you're a criminal. But he sees himself as a prisoner for God. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that is very, very important. Peter said, in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 14, he says, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be as a murderer or stealing or making trouble or prying into other people's affairs. But, it's, uh, but it is no shame to suffer for being, a Christ, uh, for being a Christian. You see, I remember some years back, uh, I used to complain a lot because of the job I was doing. I was doing a job for a ministry and I was complaining to this you know, pastor, I'll be talking about my challenges, I'll be talking about my woes. And, and, and this guy looked at me and said, Feliki, he said, listen, don't see yourself as working for this ministry. See yourself as working for God. Honestly, that changed my perspective. So the same way as Paul, so, even though he was in prison, he did not see himself as a prisoner. He saw himself as a prisoner for God. So, uh, and then they took the young man to the commander, verse 19. So the commander took him by the hand and stepped aside, began to inquire of him privately. What is it that you have to tell me? Verse 20, and he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council as though they were going to inquire something thoroughly about him. Do not listen to them. 
And then he, the, the, the young man told everything. So I want you to see something about this commander and the centurion. See, the commander's attitude and gesture was like, tell me how and where I can be of service to you. The commander was tender, gentle with Paul's nephew, the young man. The commander took the young man by the hand in tenderness as a friend or a father to encourage him to talk. You went with the young man privately. The commander's attitude and gesture was like, you know, no matter what we do, where we are in life, God wants to use you to touch lives. The centurion and the commander with the interaction with the Paul and his nephew demonstrate how we can be used to save lives and touch lives and be a blessing. You know, there was a story in New York. There was a man who was investigating people that commit suicide. So he was interested in their notes that these suicide people leaves behind. So he was investigating one suicide, one, one, one guy that committed, that just committed suicide. So he went to his house they went, and then he took the note. He read the note. The man, the man that committed suicide, I jump off the bridge. That day he, he, he wrote, this was his suicide letter. He said, I'm going out today to kill myself. But if anybody speak, spoke to me or just say hello or greet me, I will turn back and will not commit this suicide. The worst thing was that nobody, nobody spoke to this man. So that was what the note he left behind. So God must help us as, as we come across people, as situations come our way to help us to be a blessing to others or someone that can be, and, and that will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the way the centurion, the man in charge of 100 people, 100 soldiers, it was as Paul called him, as he went there quickly. Can you imagine the centurion to, uh, the commander? Commander took the man as, took the young man aside. Uh, The young man did not mention, see, he did not mention names of the Jews plotters. Just told them that Jews were plotting, verse 22. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. See, the commander dismissed the young man with his charge of secrecy. That's number one. Number two, this was because human lives and destinies are at stake. The Jews plotters must not know that their plans have been found out. There was an accident this month. I'm sure you are aware of it. The man suspected of leaking highly classified military documents that revealed details about U.S. spying and intelligence about the war in Ukraine was arrested this year. And what was the reason? Because he couldn't keep a secret. Confidentiality. So, the plot was exposed to the commander. Now, the next step is the commander neutralized the plot against Paul. How did he do that? Let's see what the commander did. And that's 23 to 25. This is plan A. How did the commander, uh, the plan A, this is how he, he neutralized that plot against Paul. And you can see God's hand in all these deliverances, in all these orchestrating things to deliver Paul. Now, Plan A was every security and swift decision. So, 23. 
This is what the commander did. The commander let the young man go, instructing him, tell no one that you have notified me of these things. 23. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, get 200 soldiers ready by the, by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea with 20, with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. They were also to provide mounts for Paul on the, on, on, on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. So what was the, how did the commander neutralize the plot? Every security. So the first thing the commander did was call two centurions. Get you, get 200 soldiers ready. You get another 200 soldiers ready with spears that can use weapons. And then you get another 70 horsemen ready. And then get one horse for Paul. You see, 200 uh, 200 soldiers, and then 200 soldiers heavily armed, and then 70 horsemen. 470 soldiers to guard one man. To guard him to safety. 470. And when it was the third hour, the night, the plot was the next day, they were going to, that was the plot, but the night before, God had already made this provision, and what did this tell us? See, um, Paul being a Roman citizen was to be protected. This is, and also this shows us that God will go through any length to protect his people. God will go through any length to let you know that he is with you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Because for a one man, 470 soldiers, that is amazing. So, this is to get him from Jerusalem to Caesarea. And then, uh, this also tells us the Roman justice system is to be admired as it was 2,000 years ago. You see, remember? God had promised Paul do not be afraid. You know, you will protect him. And you see, we have so many uh, promises of God's protection. You see, in Psalm 23 verse 4, we all know this psalm. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through, God has not promised us an easy life. But God promised us that through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be there with us. That's the great promise. In Psalm 31 verse 4, it says, Paul, pull me out of the nest, which you have, uh, pull me out of the nest, which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the same temptation will also make a way of escape that will not be able to bear. Uh, that will be able to bear, I'm sorry. You'll be able to bear. Psalm 34 verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. But, there's a good but there. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. And the last one is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 15. Say, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we're Christians. What do we, who are the, what do we fight against? Who are the, what are the forces against you and I? Let me tell you. If you, if you, let me read it out what Ephesians says. We're roadkill. With these kind of forces against you and I, there's just no way. Come on. Let's, let's see it. Ephesians chapter that from verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Eh, forget it. You fight a battle you do not see. So how will you, in fact, I even wonder how non-Christians, how they go through life with all these odds against us every day. See, but through all this plot that Paul was not aware, God in his divine way, just an everyday life, made all these provisions for Paul to escape. So, then what's the plan B? The plan B was the commander now wrote a letter to the Felix, the governor. So let's see the plan B. So verse 24, they also provide months to Paul and on, on him to bring them safely to governor, the Felix governor. And he wrote a letter with this form. This was the letter from the commander to the governor in Caesarea where they would take Paul. Claudius Lysos to the most excellent governor, Felix, gov- uh, greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was uh, about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And wanting to ascertain the charges of which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. Verse 29. And I find him to be, uh, to, and I find him to be accused over questions about their laws, but under no accusation deserving death or imprisonment. So even the commander says that this guy is guiltless. There's nothing that even warrants imprisonment or death. So when I was informed uh, that there will be a plot against him, this man, I sent him to you at once, also instructing this, uh, his accusers to bring charges against him before you. So this was the letter I wrote. Greetings. See, he wrote the letter from Jerusalem and gave it to the soldiers taking Paul to Caesarea. So who was this commander? See, the commander, he put his name there. His name is Lysias, Cladius Lysias. Cladius Lysias, or Lysias. That's his name. He became a Roman citizen by playing, paying large sum of money. Uh, he, he was not a Roman citizen because the name, Cladius, is a, is a Roman name. And Lysias is a Greek name. See, Cladius is the name of a Roman emperor. Lysias is a Greek name. This reveals that Commander was a Greek who might have gotten Roman citizenship under the Emperor Clarius. And so bearing the name in honor of the Emperor. So the letter said that having brought Paul to the Jewish council, uh, the allegations that accused him, I found out that this man was, he has no, he was guiltless. The Jews were planning to kill Paul and being a Roman citizen, this should not have happened to him. Now, I can, I can, I can, uh, identify with Claudius Lysias because just like him too, I became a, a, my family became a United States citizen in 2006. When we had to pass the citizenship test, we have to swear allegiance to the United States. 
And then we have to pay some money too to become United States citizens. So I, I have, we have our naturalized citizens, uh, certificate. Just like this, uh, uh, just like this commander. So who was Felix the governor? See, Felix the governor was a, was also a slave. He grew up in Rome. Felix the governor was a friend of Clydeus, an aristocrat who became the emperor of Rome. So just like uh, the commander too, Felix too, the governor was, uh, was, was a, was a slave who was freed by, he was freed by the emperor. So Felix also, because he grew up with the emperor, they were all playing together when they were babies. Emperor Claudius made him a governor. And unfortunately, he messed up his, uh, his position. Because if you look at Exodus, uh, Acts chapter 24, he was bringing Paul out. When he, the Paul was in detention, he would ask Paul to come and see him. And he also want, he was wanting bribe from Paul. So that, that is true that that guy was very corrupt. Also, uh, so anyway, that's, that's it. So let's see the last part. The last part is Paul brought to safety from verse 31. So, so the soldiers in accordance with their orders took Paul and bring him by night to Antiparis. But the next day, having the horsemen go on their way, they returned to the barracks. And when these had gone to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. So what happened is the 400, and 400 soldiers, as soon as they got to Antipodes, it's about 40 miles from Jerusalem, they saw that they were safe. So the 200, 400 soldiers went back to Jerusalem. But the 70 horsemen continued the journey until they got to Caesarea. And then they presented the letter and Paul to Governor Felix. And then Governor Felix... When he got the letter, uh, verse uh, 34, and when he had read it, he asked for what province he was. And when he learned that he was, a, he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. So here was Paul now, from Jerusalem, he's now in Caesarea. Now you will see how God will complete his plan to ultimately take him to Rome. But how he would do it, you will see how God worked things out. So before I go, there's a conclusion here. So first of all, I want us to see that the devil does not have our best interest at heart. In John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So no matter the plot that the enemy was planning for Paul, God has a, a grand plan. Also, number two, God is making all things work for his purpose and will in your life as a Christian. No matter your situation, just like Paul, God at the background, you may not see it, he's working all things, using all these everyday situations to work his grand plan out for your life. And we can see that in Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Maybe, just like Paul, he was in that prison. He, not, he was not aware that God was orchestrating things in an unusual way. In an unusual way. 
No matter your situation in life, you may think God is not there or is not answering or listening to you. And the last one is, is the fact that God is at work every day of your life, even if it does not seem like it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is just an encouragement today. Maybe you're looking at your life. You're thinking God is not there. God does not care. God does not love you. Your situation is so dire. You can't see beyond your circumstances. I want to encourage you as a child of God. God is aware. Shall we pray? You know, maybe this morning, you know, I just want to, uh, this afternoon, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. I tell you, God, God cares. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Just like Paul, God had this grand plan to guide this man through his life to fulfill his purpose. Maybe you are here today. You have never given your life to Christ. You're not born again. You know, you can do that today. You can ask the Lord to come into your heart. You can ask him to forgive all your sins. You can ask him to be the Lord of your life. Just like Paul, he can now... You know, you can now see his hand in your life all through it. Or maybe you're here today, you're discouraged. You're in despair. You have come to a point where you're not seeing any way out. I want to encourage you as a child of God. You know, God is there. In spite of if you don't see what he's doing, he's working things out. Maybe you're here today. I want you to be rest assured that God, God will come through. God is faithful. He may not come through the way you think, the way you hope, but I want you to know that God, God will fulfill his purpose for your life. Shall we pray? Father, we're grateful today. We thank you for revealing yourself with Paul. Though your name is not mentioned, Jesus is not mentioned in those passages, but we see the thread of providence, your hand at work to deliver this man. And you use it 470 soldiers for one person to show that what you can do for your children. Father, thank you. Help us in our trying times to know that you're near, that you're there. Thank you that we will rest assured that you're working things out. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen.